This is a special presentation from In The Money Media, an emergency pod. What is an emergency pod that comes a day after the big news? Well, it's just a show with, with no ads and less of the you know formalities of a, of a usual podcast and one where I just felt the obligation to get on air as soon as possible to discuss the issue of the day, that issue being the passing of Cody Dorman, which is truly rock the racing world just an unbelievable end to this unbelievable story and really the only person i want to talk to about it is the guy we have with us today he's been across this story for i don't think it's any exaggeration to say a couple of years wrote a wonderful article on this is horse racing i'll link to it in the show notes so you can check it out also working on a project that now i think i can confidently say will be um a way to just sort of chronicle the legacy of uh, this amazing young man. I'm speaking of Paul Halloran. Paul, how you holding up? Pretty good, Pete. Yeah, Sunday uh, Sunday was a tough day, obviously. And, and yesterday, uh, you, you know, you go through the stages, but uh, had a few laughs on the phone uh, with the uh, Kelly and Leslie last night. And uh, they're, uh, you know, doing as well as could be expected, uh, you know. I think everyone knew Pete with the syndrome that Cody had and all the obstacles he had, you know, pretty much it could happen at any time. But as I said to someone on the phone yesterday and, and you were there, Pete, you know, you just after the total euphoria of Saturday, that's really the last thing on your mind <laughs> that might come at you on Sunday. It, it's it's insane. I mean, uh, and, you know, I, I'm a huge believer in the idea that when you're when your number's up your number's up but it, it does i mean narrative wise it, it sort of feels like you know all the struggles he'd had that he really wanted to hang on to to see the end of his of his friend's career and then in in, in some way then it was then it was his time is that how the family's looking at it? is there any is there any you know were there any specific things in the travel, anything that could have been differently or, 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 or is it more the way that I was describing it? No, I, I think you hit it exactly, Pete. In fact, I just, uh, just covered that. Uh, I was honored. They, uh, they asked me yesterday if I would consider writing his official obituary for them. Oh, wow. Talk about, talk about pressure, Pete. <laughs> I'll give you a free edit much, on that. If you need it <laughs> much, much, uh, much, uh much more pressure than Joe Clancy standing over you asking for that story the night before the Travis. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they said they, they believe that's how most people are looking at it. It's just, uh, no, there were no, he traveled well. I mean, he was very tired out there, Pete, but I was with you several nights. I think we were all pretty tired, right? <laughs> um, it's the Breeders' Cup. And uh, he actually traveled well on the way home. He just... Uh, just went off to sleep and, uh, you know, was non-responsive when they landed and they, they, they rushed him out of there, worked on him, and it just wasn't, you know, just wasn't meant to be. So, no, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, who knows what he was feeling or thinking or knowing, but it's pretty, it's a pretty safe bet that he was, he was willing himself to stay around till, till that inquiry light was turned off, Pete. <laughs> that might be the start of your book, by the way is it's the inquiry that's what i was thinking how, how how much more dramatic could you uh could you get it's the wow. inquiry and we don't have a resolution of the inquiry and then we flash back that's my that's my new vision for you about well, it's, it it's, uh, i'm sure we'll be having more discussions about that Pete. 
I, so had you got to be around Cody so much, had he, had he changed at all? I mean, could you see it wearing, could you see that just the, you know, the effects of life for life's difficult for anybody, obviously, you know, Cody more so than most, had, had you seen the effects of his journey? Did he seem the same kid this year as he had been last year? Yeah. Yeah. My first time around him uh, in person, I think, was in April when I went to Keeneland and, and spent some time at their house. Uh, was there when NBC came in to do a follow up for the uh, for the piece that was going to air on uh, the Derby Day broadcast, the Churchill Downs stakes that he ran. And no, I mean, you know, I mean, it obviously it, you can only, I think, answer that question accurately if you're around someone all the time. But right. no, he, uh, you know. <laughs> He he had the the look of a guy, a kid, a guy, young man who was obviously undergoing, you know, living with a whole host of physical issues, but, um, you know, he never he never complained to his parents, and there was never one vibe that you could get off of him that you know he was upset about anything. He was thrilled to be at Santa Anita. He woke up two of the days. He woke up at two o'clock in the morning to make sure his parents knew he didn't want to be late getting to the racetrack. <laughs> uh, they were at, they were at the racetrack on Wednesday, uh, Thursday. I saw them at the track. They got there about nine a.m. Uh, I think they left around five. Uh, you know, they had a ton of uh, ton of media interest, and God loved them. They I I don't know that they said no to one request. Uh, <laughs> our kind of people, Pete. Right, <laughs> the, the exactly. stuff that we do. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they were long days, but no, I just, uh, in fact, Kelly told me last night, you know, they, you know, they kind of, they're the best barometers, Kelly and Leslie, because they do care for him every day. And, you know, they, they gave him their version of uh, the once over before heading to the airport and everything was fine. So, you know, I, I think it would be, uh, it would be a real mistake for them or anyone to second guess the decision uh, to travel. He had traveled to Arizona last year for the, to, to accept the big sport of Turfdom award. I was there and the I was in the room. You were there. Was okay. the room yeah. And it was an amazing experience, but even then you could see the troubles. I mean, he, uh, Cody had like a little seizure. I don't know how I say little, yeah. I don't know how little, but he had a seizure, um, yeah. on that trip. I remember, but you know, we got to, to hear him talk through the, through the, uh, device and, and he mm -hmm. was in, good spirits about the whole thing and just seemed to really appreciate his role as somebody who I think brought a lot of people together and, and maybe even more so than that, help remind people what's so important in life. You know, you come off a, a big event like the Breeders' Cup and you, you, there's a lot of things you can think about in terms of your own, you know, horse playing or whatever. And, and you you wake up to a story like that and it's, it's, it just, it brings it all in perspective. And I, I think, I don't know, I got the sense that he and the Dorman family are, were very aware of their sort of unifying power and uh, and just like positive energy rallying around an important cause like Make-A-Wish that uh, I think put a lot of the wind in their sails to enable them to do all the interviews and all, and all the publicity. Yeah, and, and that was one of the things we talked about last night. You know, his original wish uh, was actually not involved with horse racing. It was uh, 
a, a trip to make uh, to Bass Pro Shops in Missouri. He's a huge. He was a huge uh, fishing. And ever since he met the first day that he met Cody's Wish, that five month old weanling, he was serving as a Make a Wish ambassador for their big fundraising day at Keeneland. And ever since that day. Uh, his parents said he really, really was happy with his ability to help make a wish raise money. I mean, you, you know, you saw it anytime you were around him. You know, he was a rock star, and uh, they had make a wish has had fundraisers out there, and you know, you just put his name on the uh, uh, on the on the uh, uh, top of the program, and they all of a sudden they raise more money than they have in a single day, you know, and right now there's a fundraiser going on. You referenced it online. I checked before we came on in 24 hours, it was up to $27,000. What is that URL, Paul? Do you know it offhand? Or if not, (laughs) I'll create a pretty link for it, but do do you know it offhand? Um, It's pretty long, Pete. I think you don't worry about it. You know what we'll do? Text it to me, text it to me. And then by the time the show posts, you can get to it in the money podcast.com slash Cody C O D Y. So we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it like that. And then everybody who wants to participate can go on there and give. And I, I learned a lot about the make a wish um, foundation, the UK version, but they're very similar back in 19. When I did that half marathon around London, I, <clears throat> I tried to sign up late and it was one of those things where I had to do it as a could, there were no spots available unless I linked up with a yeah. charity and I researched the charities and, did a lot of research on make a wish and just talking to people about the difference in, in lives that it, that it, that it made and, and the way that it really, you know, help people enjoy their, enjoy their time and change their attitude and, and very moving and important organization that I've always supported and never, never more so than now hearing, uh, hearing the, hearing that stuff. And that's so cool that, you know, Cody was, you know, involved on that level and still seemed involved in, 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 you know, on a day-to-day basis and in, in following horse racing. It seems like something that, that gave him comfort, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It was the world's uh, converging, right? It was, it was the horse racing part of it. Um, but it was also he really, truly enjoyed that trip to Bass Pro Shops in Springfield, Missouri, <clears throat> back in uh, 2018. And he knew that you know, any money that he helped raise obviously was going to help other kids, you know, get their wish. And they do a, a big fundraiser every year at Keeneland. The, the day that I referenced uh, on usually the first Thursday, I believe, of the spring meet, uh, Keeneland and all the farms, uh, you know, welcome these Make-A-Wish ambassadors uh, and, and they visit the farms and, you know, I would say through the luck of the draw, Pete, but I think it's there was something much stronger going on because uh, Cody ended up with Godolphin, and we could not. You you would run out of cyberspace if you asked me to talk about how truly magnificent everyone at Godolphin has been to Cody and the Dormans right up to the end, and and I mean the end. It's it's in a story that I've been on for about fifteen months. It is one of probably the two or three aspects of it that has impacted me the most. Uh, the Godolphin people have just been phenomenal with them. This is a story from <clears throat> its very beginnings with the weanling visit to the story you recounted in the article about the Cody being in a dark place and a second meeting perking him up, maybe even saving his life four years ago. 
I mean, it was already when you and I first started talking about this as a literary property last year, it was already the kind of thing that if it had been written as fiction, you'd say, that couldn't happen. No way that could happen. You're making this up. And then the end is maybe the most remarkable part of it all. It's very hard, even for a cynical, horse-playing agnostic such as myself to hear this story and think there's anything other than divine intervention. Yeah, it, yeah, that's it really, Pete. I, I agree with you. It's um, I, As far as Cody's connection to the horse, I, I, I always refer to it as inexplicable yet undeniable. Um, it, <clears throat> it's hard to explain, but then you see it. And, you know, as, as I think I touched on in, in my column, you understand that this is a horse who almost knocked the gate down in the forego last year. A bad actor. Who, there was the bad actor. There was some very tense moments in the gate at the Breeders' Cup last year. Yep. I think I've told you I've, I've spoken to the assistant starter who was in the gate with him and, uh, you know, there was some talk between him and Junior Alvarado. They would, they, you know, they're a team, right? The assistant starter and the jockey, but they're trying to decide, you know, do you really want me to try to reposition him? Because if he doesn't want to do it, I mean, he is a big boy, Pete, 1,100 plus pounds. You know, as racehorses go, he's a big boy. So this, uh, he was training Pete so aggressively at Santa Anita uh, that on Thursday, and I happened to sit next to Bill Mott at the Turf Riders dinner Wednesday night, in which Team Cody's Wish won the Mr. Fitz Award for typifying the spirit of racing. Um, on Thursday, Bill completely changed his training routine. He sent him to the training track, which is inside the turf course, as you saw at Santa Anita, but <clears throat> to get him off the main track. And they jogged him the wrong way twice around. Didn't gallop, just jogged him the wrong way twice around simply to try to mix up the routine, almost to confuse him a little bit and maybe let him think from it. You know, there's not a race coming this instant because he was that revved up. So this is, that's him. And then, you know, we're back at the barn Thursday afternoon at 4.30 and Bill walks him out of the stall and walks him over to Cody's wheelchair. And he just puts his... He just puts his uh, puts his head right on Cody's lap. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> oh, I, it's rare I find myself speechless on these airwaves, Paul. But I, I, that story that story pretty much uh, manages it. It's um, it, it's been an incredible journey for this family. It's so so rough to see it. Uh, to see it come to an end. I'm glad to hear that they're doing as well as they can. I mean, they've lived with this hanging over with them for so long. I'm glad there's no second guessing about the travel. That's a real, that's a real relief to me. Here's another question I have. This is a weird one. Did you, were you with the family during the inquiry? What was, did, did anybody get Cody's take on what was going on? Like what was going to happen there? Was there, what were the emotions like? Was it, was it, was everybody scared? Was everybody thinking, Oh, this won't be a problem. Like what, what I want to be in that winter circle um, in the moments before this thing uh, went official. Yeah. I got to tell you, Pete, I don't think everyone realized it right away. I did. Uh, you know, I'm a horse player at heart <laughs> and I heard, I, you know, you know, we were celebrating, you know, I, I watched the race right next to Leslie and people are high-fiving and hugging. And the minute, I heard Frank's voice 
come on the loudspeaker and use the dreaded I word. Yeah. I realize, I think around me, the celebration was still going on. And I think it took, you know, 30 seconds, maybe a minute for people to realize, you know, there's something going on here. And then even beyond that, I don't know that, you know, we hadn't seen the replay. We hadn't seen the head on. I don't think a lot of people in there grasp the fact that this could change. And I grasped it without seeing the head on because, you know, you lose enough of these things over the years, Pete, right? <laughs> and I was just myself, and, you know, obviously I'm not at that minute, I'm not standing there as an objective journalist. So guilty if anyone wants to charge me. Yes. Um, I, was, I was petrified. Yeah, uh, not without seeing the replay. And then, you know, again, we, we, we're not going to go into a, a judge, judgment on the, the merits of it, but regardless, I was just petrified that this perfect ending could be derailed in this way. Um, and I guess it was five minutes. Uh, I can't yep, imagine what minutes. the, I can't imagine what the maximum security one was like for those connections, Pete, for yeah, 20 something minutes. Cause yeah. in those five, I was just peering at the, uh, you know, you look at the uh, tote board waiting for the word inquiry to, to go dark and uh, I will tell you the reaction when Frank came on and said no change was probably as much a reaction was when the cr- horses crossed the finish line. <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was obviously very emotional. But little Kylie, his sweet little sister, who's the greatest little sister of all time, who has been by his side every second. Uh, you know, the, it hits you, the reality of, you know, this is it. And, you know, you're sad to see it end, obviously, but this is exactly how you would want it to see it end. And I think probably a more thrilling, you know, stretch run, maybe even than last year, if that's possible, when he had a rundown cyber knife, um, you, you know, this took a lot of doing. I mean, National Treasure was on an easy lead. Um, I'm still waiting. Has, has anyone found Zozo's peak? Does anyone has anyone come up with the answer? I'm I, still uh, Zozo's is on a he's on an equine milk carton somewhere. Might be, uh, might be finishing around now, along with all the money I bet on him. You know, Pete, it's kind of what's ironic about that, and I'm I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but um, oh, I don't care at all. Bob Baffert's, I believe they introduced themselves as Bob Baffert's sons. Came down, uh, the Dormans were waiting to go in the paddock before the race, you know, they're waiting for the second race horses to clear out. And I was standing off to the side, but I'm pretty sure these two, two young men introduced themselves as Bob Baffert's sons and, oh, you know, you told them they love. Does he have more than uh, two? Cause I didn't, I heard, I didn't sure. I heard Bodie regardless. Um, you know, they wished him well and how much they loved the story. And I was joking with the Godolphin folks after I said, I said, geez, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I was going to ask them, can you make sure National Treasure, National Treasure goes with Zozos so he doesn't get on an easy lead? And then ironically, I'm watching, I'm watching the race and thinking, boy, you're getting it stuck right you know where, right? He went all right, but Zozos didn't go with him. So my point is it, it was um, – and, and the other thing, Pete, we can talk about, you know, Ryan Moore's ride on Augusta Dan – if that was one of the greatest rides of all time, I, I think the junior ride on Cody's wish was impeccable. I think it right. was the type of ride where if he made one small error uh, and not even error, a misjudgment, you know, it, and he said it uh, after the race, 
you know, you go into that far turn where he was, Pete, your options are stay where you are and, and hope an opening, you know, develops or say the hell with it. I got the best horse. I'm going to go all the way around. And if he had tried to go all the way around going into that turn, he doesn't get there uh, with the way the thing developed. So he, you know, he stayed, <clears throat> stayed inside, stayed between in the stretch. And uh, I just thought it was fitting that he delivered that type of ride, Pete. Here's a guy who was taken off Cody's wish after his first career race because it was not considered by the folks who matter to be the greatest ride of all time. And he got back on on, in the Westchester Stakes on Kentucky Derby Day because most of the New York guys were in Kentucky and he wasn't. And he never never got off. And he's been the perfect partner for both the horse and – the Alvarados have become very, very close with the Dormans. Oh, that's very cool, and and yeah, not not an easy horse to ride. It 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 must be <laughs> uh, must be pointed out. <laughs> but yeah, the inquiry was unbelievable. You know, I saw the I saw it live. Knew the inquiry was coming. Um, you know, it was one of those where it could have gone either way to me. You know, National Treasure did come out early in stretch. Some stewards count that. Some don't. There was definitely contact late. I was with randomly standing next to people associated with National Treasure. I don't know if they were part of the ownership group or what, but they had the hats and they said to me, what's going, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I said, well, it's cl-. I said, you know, he's probably going to stay up. But if I were you, I wouldn't be too far from that winter circle. Like it was one of it was one yeah. of those. You know? <laughs> so, <coughs> yeah, you never know. Pete. Yeah. We, you know, we never know what's going to happen in those cases. Right. Um I'll tell you what I thought of, and again, this is maybe the cynical horse player in me. Um, I thought of Byron. Yeah. Uh, trained by Bob Baffert, who I will go to my grave thinking should have come down in that Breeders' oh, Cup Classic. Absolutely. No question about it. Right. In, in California. Yep. Uh, in fact, it was at Santa Anita, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm not. Again, I'm not suggesting any anything nefarious would be at play, but the the irony of it, uh, I, I thought of that right away. Uh, and yeah. as I say, it, it was just look if you're in one of those inquiries, Pete, and it's gonna you know cost you five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, or God forbid more than that. You know, Nick, obviously the more it costs you, the more <laughs> the more angst you feel. But this was different, Pete. You know, this was different than I, I did not have a penny on the race in on my own. I was in the BCBC. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I was wrapped up enough in the story to not need, <laughs> not need more. Read it up on. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking this is, this is the highest stakes you get. You know, you, are we going to go to this kid and, you know, tell him we got to leave the winner's circle? You know, that's only happened to him once. He's watched the horse run from the winner's circle seven times. And the only time he had to leave was at Saratoga when the Whitney didn't go well. But in this, the last race, which they traveled 2,200 miles, are we going to, are they going to have to go to him and say, okay, Cody, we got to leave now, even though he crossed the wire, the wire yeah. first. Oh. I just, that would not have been good. So, uh, All's well that ends well, at least to that point. You know, we, we could right. never have known what was coming 24 hours later. No, which obviously puts it all in perspective. But still, for Cody to have got to experience that one more winner's circle photo, I mean, it's it's just, it's wonderful. The, the, the ride that they took us on. And, you know, I have to admit, Paul, I didn't realize. I mean, I knew from reading what you'd written 
that it was a little tenuous, but I, I thought it was maybe tenuous, like we'd have another 10 years, you know, the, the, the idea, the, the idea, the, the, the fleeting uh, impermanence of it all is uh, it's, it's stinging and made me feel like, I don't know, ignorant in a way that I didn't, that I didn't realize this could have kind of happened at, at, at any time. I mean, is that, is that an accurate statement? Well, yes. I mean, and they've known that. But I think the longer you go, you know, you you develop a routine and even dealing with everything. um, uh, You know, Kelly told me yesterday the last time Cody was in a hospital for a stay was like five years ago, which is incredible. You know, his appointments are so you develop, and you know, again, ironically, Pete, on Friday on the backstretch, I was there when Cody and the Dormans met Carson and the Yosts. Yes, of yes. Carson Yost fame, and and Carson has the same exact syndrome of Cody Wolfreshon, and that to have two people with that in the same place, Pete, I don't want to tell you what the odds of that are. Uh, I spoke to Cody's doctor at Cincinnati Children's for for the research I'm doing for the book. And one of the questions I asked him was, you know, how common is this? And he said, well, Cincinnati Children's, which is just just ranked the number one children's hospital in the country, uh, who sees, I don't know what the number is, but, you know, more seven figures worth of patients, I think, in a year, uh, you know, including return visits. He said they can expect one or two cases a year. So that's how uncommon it is. And here we are in the Santa Rita backstretch. And Carson is 31. So, you know, you look at that and say, for all the Dormans have been through, and yes, it could happen any day, here's a guy in the pretty much the same condition who's 31. And you say, okay, good, right? And, you know, they they got to meet. They sat next to each other. And it's a very emotional meeting of the parents, as you can imagine, because they have a lot to – but so, yeah, to your point, it, it, it's, it's kind of you look at it both ways, right? Yes, God forbid it could happen any day. And, and they were prepared for that. But, boy, if your God were ever going to be down, wouldn't it have been last Sunday, this past Sunday, you know, coming off, <laughs> coming off that euphoric Saturday and the euphoric four days? Um, but I think you said it, Pete. Uh, there's many ways to say it. Uh, your number's up, your number's up, or, you know, I'm a, I'm a Catholic school guy, grade one through 16. So I, you know, I, I believe that, uh, you know, uh, there's a guy calling out the numbers. Mr. Holy Cross uh, Crusader, you, you, you stay, you stuck with the program beyond. I, I said 16. I said grade one through 16, 12 <laughs> plus four. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my, you know, and, and I believe that, you know, I, I believe that. And, uh, you know, for for any of us, let alone uh, Cody, but, uh, you know, it'd be hard to make a case that it was just a random, that was the random time that uh, he was going to go, you know, tw- literally, you know, 24, 25 hours uh, after after his horse crossed the finish line. Doesn't matter what you believe. I think it's impossible not to be touched in some way by the story and have your perception of what's important altered. And hopefully it's something that can encourage us to, to lead our, our best lives again, regardless of, of, you know, any preconceptions you have about, you know, how it went down, just the fact that it, that it did happen. And we all got to, 
be along for this ride. Uh, it's been it's been unbelievable. I this is an odd question, but as as uh, you know, with with having a ten year old girl around here myself, I I do I worry about Kylie. Is she doing okay? Did what was the report on her? Yeah, she's yes. I uh, I'll, I too I share that with you. We've got to become good pals with little Kylie, and uh, I asked about her last night, and they said, well, some of her friends came to the house and they brought Jimmy John's, so that made her happy. Good. And uh, good. Yeah, they said she's doing you know as well as can be expected. You know, it's you you can relate to that. I mean, my my children are older, but we know that that is a you know that's a difficult age to process. You know, it's kind of it's right there. You know, you're, you're not an adult or even a young adult yet, but you're sure obviously old enough to to realize. So I I agree with you. I think it's a little bit of a tricky age, and uh, you know, I, I think the other thing is as you know kids are very resilient you know much more resilient than, than their parents and uh, those of us who are alleged adults so yeah I, I think uh, along with her parents uh you know it seems like she's she's doing as well as can be expected and uh hopefully you know as i said she you know she's given up a lot not you know not intentionally you know by by circumstance you know obviously when you have a child with those type of needs and you know i have a uh uh, a daughter, a twenty-four-year-old daughter with profound autism. So, and she has an older sister. So, you know, I get it. You know, the the siblings make a lot of sacrifices, even by osmosis. And uh, you know, she's been a real trooper. And you know, she certainly enjoyed the ride as well. But she's been a real trooper. So, yeah, we uh, we, we we hope that she's, uh, you know, uh, she she will she will do well, and and she'll have the memories of standing next to her brother in all those winners' circles. Yeah, I mean that's fantastic. That's that's the stuff that hopefully you can think back on in 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 the sad moments that to help make you awash with those feelings of positivity and love. Perrin's been very across the story. She you know she did her first derby this year. So one of my big yes. things for the derby was building up the return of Cody's wish, and then she was there in Saratoga for the Whitney. And was was rooting very hard for him, and again, was very aware of, of of the story and everything. And what what it was kind of funny when he got beat in the Whitney. She so she just started paying attention to like equine history, you know, Secretariat being you know one one point of entry. But I don't know what she'd been reading, but she said to me, "You know, Daddy, don't worry about it. it doesn't mean Cody's wish isn't a great horse. Lots of great horses have lost the Whitney." And gone on to win other big races. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, uh, uh, Joe Hirsch, continue to, to tell me, oh, oh, ye wise uh, turf veteran. That's tremendous. Give me, give me the give me yeah. the scoop. So you know, she was she was definitely following along at the Breeders' Cup, and will feel vindicated in that opinion. And of course, desperately, desperately sad uh, about you know what happened on Sunday. But you know, I think the message that I want to pass on, which I would imagine the lesson the Dormans would want to pass on is that you make the most of the time you have and you try to have as much of a positive impact on other people as you can. And, and that's something that the Dormans have lived and, and underlined for all of us. 100% Pete, that that's a very prescient observation, which comes as no surprise to those of us who know you, but the Dormans have said to me many times their greatest fear was not of Cody dying. Their greatest fear was him of not being able to live. Yeah. And as I said to them last night, you know, 
it'd be very easy in a situation like that to, you know, keep them in the house, keep them local, you know, uh, obviously doesn't have the immune system of a, of you or me. And they went the exact opposite. Uh, Tucson, you know, you said you were there <clears throat> traveling to Arizona, traveling to Kentucky, uh, to uh, California, driving to Niagara Falls before coming down for the Whitney so they could experience. They were determined to make sure that that young man lived as much of a life as he could. And I cannot, and I know, you know, as I say, I travel with an autistic daughter and different issues, but, you know, same church, different pew, as we say. Um, It's, it's, it's not easy. And, and, and on their case, you know, with dealing with the stuff they had to bring, I mean, they actually had, I believe shipped a lot of his stuff out to Santa Anita ahead of time, just because there's so much to travel with, sure. <clears throat> you know, to get him there. They went at it, uh, you know, full speed ahead. You know, they were, uh, you know, obviously taking his cue. He, told them he was a little tired, wasn't really up to going for the Met Mile. So Kelly went, represented them. Only Kelly came. Um, but he was ready for this trip. And they that's exactly the way they looked at it, Pete. They went, they said, you know, we're going to make sure he, not knowing, you know, how much time he had. You know, I wrote about when he was a very young kid, the doctor said, take him home and make him comfortable. Uh, enjoy the time you have, you know, something you'd hear if you had an 88 year old mother. Right. Yep. And Kelly Dorman looked at that guy and said, Hey buddy, we ain't <laughs> doing that. <clears throat> I think he said, Hey dude, he did not say, Hey doctor. I think he said, Hey dude. And you've been around Kelly, Pete. Uh, he's an imposing, he's a oh, gentle yeah. giant, but he's an, he's an imposing guy. I wouldn't be in a hurry to cry. <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, we ain't doing that. And, uh, they didn't do it. And, uh, to that to their ultimate credit, and and lastly, you you know you talked about the impact. That's that's one of the things that they are really comforted by. They have seen as this story has lived out at all these racetracks and, and events. They have seen the impact he's had. Just very quickly, there was a woman from California. I think she told me her name was Nancy Junis. And, you know, she had a tough time during COVID. She lost her dad. You know, she's she's probably, you know, she's a middle-aged older woman, probably in her 60s, but had problems with her business, whatever the details were. She she had a rough time during COVID. Watched the Breeders' Cup last year, was enthralled by the story, reached out to Godolphin and said, how do I get in touch with the Dormans? She wrote them a long handwritten letter uh, explaining her situation. And, you know, once it, you know, once she knew that they were coming to California, so I watched, she met Cody and the Dormans in person outside the paddock for the first time Saturday. And she was as emotional as you can imagine. And she told me, she said, for the last year, um, because of what this boy in his story has done for me, my dream has been to meet him. And I get to see, have that dream come true today. So that that's one example of, thousands of, of people that he he did have an impact on. And that's really, you know, uh, if there's a better legacy, you know, someone someone let us know and we'll publicize <laughs> it, but I, I don't think so. Well, what I love about that is, you know, the word that comes to mind is inspiring. And you don't have to be on this mortal coil to inspire. 
And that's why I do love the name. I love the idea, and I don't know if they will or not, but I love the idea of the Dormans staying involved in racing to some degree. I love the idea, the Dirt Mile being the obvious example, though they obviously have a sponsor for that already, but uh, a Breeders' Cup, a Breeders' Cup. This race, which I have always been the harshest critic of, Paul. I don't know if yes. you ever heard of any of <laughs> no, my stuff. Well, Pete, you, ironically, you, you and I yeah. both, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> No, it messes up two other races. It hurts the sprint. It hurts the classic. Well, now, without, you know, I, maybe I was right. Maybe I was wrong. But mea culpa, my goodness, I'm glad it exists for, for the stories we've gotten the last two years. And and maybe, just maybe, uh, or, or this race or something comparable could be could be named for him as a way to just keep, like I said, that inspiring legacy alive, the one that you're going to hopefully uh, be capturing on the page, one that will ultimately no doubt be captured on film and, and maybe generations from now, people can be inspired to give and not give up and hope and win and fight because of Cody Dorman. Yeah, that that's well put Pete. Yeah. And I believe they will. I mean, they live a half hour from Keeneland. Um, you know, they, they can, the big boy arrived is, is already at uh, John Abel farm. Uh, doing uh, settling into his new uh, uh, surroundings, and you know, I'm I'm sure before not too long uh, they'll get up there to see him. You know, probably that might be a difficult thing uh, at this time. Although, unfortunately, at this time they're involved in making funeral arrangements. But yeah, I I do believe <clears throat> I do believe uh, they will stay involved. They'll, I know they'll always be involved with Make a Wish because they've been developed very close relationships there. There's a woman named Faith Hacker who runs that Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana chapter who's become very close to them and real big part of the story. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, regardless of what happened Sunday, um, I don't think they were ever going to be going anywhere. You know, we'll hopefully, uh, you know, the, the big boy goes in the breeding shed next year, 24, right? So uh, babies are born in 25, and maybe we see some two-year-olds running in uh, 27 uh, uh, bearing uh, that name. So that's a ways off, but we know in racing things things happen fast. Yeah, well, well one thing's clear. I think I need to run another marathon or half marathon and, uh, and, and do it for do it for Make-A-Wish. That's, that, that, feels, that feels like something that, that, that's in the cards now for sure, that motivation that I need to get myself in gear. Um, one other story I want you to tell on this show, it's, it's one of the greatest hits, Cody, stories that, that was in your article, but I just want to hear you. I think it would be help me to hear you tell it today. Um, if you don't mind, I think we were all depressed to a degree during COVID, right? <laughs> um, you, so, and, and here's a young guy, a teenager at the time who, you know, as we talked about his family really had made an effort to, to put him out there. Well, now COVID comes and the, the rules change, right? The rules change for everyone. And especially for someone in his situation who is obviously way more susceptible, you know, to get, if he gets it, it's probably not going to end well. And, you know, he was in a, a pretty dark place. And, and, and I, uh, you know, I, I have written about this, uh, you know, in, in the work I've been doing. Um, you know, he did, he, he did express to his mom one day, kind of hinted, you know, maybe he'd done enough at that point. And, you know, maybe for the first time gave them a glimmer of he might not be ready to keep fighting. And as you can imagine, for parents, that was extremely difficult to hear. And, 
you know, he told Leslie, Kelly was at work. And when he, Kelly came home from work, of course, Leslie had to tell him. And, you know, once he got over the shock, and, and I, I think I wrote about this in the column yesterday, you know, he went into competitor mode. You know, Kelly was a, an all-star high school football player in Kentucky. And, you know, he sat him down. He sat down this 70-year-old, 70, 70-pound, 70 severely handicapped teenager and said, no way, buddy. You know, kind of the same defiance he had with that doctor who told him he wasn't going to live till two. He told Cody, uh-uh, pal, we've come too far. We ain't going out like this. And then they went to work. You know, what can we do? So they thought of, gee, what about that horse that we met two years ago who Godolphin has named for him? And again, Pete, fate or whatever you want to call it, at that point in time, that horse should have been in New York with Bill Mott. You know, that horse was a two-year-old who should have already been in training. He had a series of medical issues, and he was with Johnny Burke, who is Godolphin's rehab specialist. Every horse in the U.S. that Godolphin has to lay up goes to Johnny Burke at Keeneland. And at that particular time, which is in the fall of 2020, Johnny had been relocated to the uh, Thoroughbred Training Center on Paris Pike, because the barn that he occupies at Keeneland is used for by the Breeders' Cup for the quarantine barn. So they were at Paris Pike, and they called and said, you know, can they bring up Cody? And he said, sure, bring him up. And, uh, you know, as Kelly said, we drove up there with one kid, and we drove home with a different kid. And from <laughs> that day forward, um, and, and when they talk about that horse changing his life, you know, they – you could say it in general, but specifically if you had a point to one event, you know, it wasn't by winning, you know, the Hanchin or the Westchester or the Churchill Downs or the Met. It was the fact that Cody at that point in his life needed something positive. And all he needed was, you know, again, and Johnny Burke had never seen this. And uh, the groom, Crescenzio Torres, uh, his groom uh, brought the horse out. And now they had warned the Dormans, look, this isn't the five-month-old weanling you saw at Gainesborough. This is a two-year-old who is ready for the racetrack. We may be – you're probably not going to be able to get that close this time. And that's what they went into it with. And that horse came out of the stall, took a look at Cody, and put his head down and walked over and put his head on his lap and brushed his face with his nose. So, so much for the big aggressive horse. Uh, and, and, and things really turned around uh, for Cody, you know, mentally, psychologically, whatever, that that was a real turning point for him, uh, you know, to, to get him through that, that COVID. And that was in the, the fall of 20 was, you know, we were kind of in prime time, COVID prime time, if you will. And that really, that really helped him through. There is something about the outside of a horse that is good for the mm. inside of a human. Nowhere is that hoary old cliche more appropriate and true than when it comes to this amazing Cody Dorman story. Paul, like I said, you've been across it for a long time. I can't wait to read and, and talk more with you and continue to see now how Cody's legacy evolves, a legacy that I have a feeling you're going to play a very big role in, uh, in preserving through the fantastic work you've been doing all along. It means so much to me for you to come on and for this to be our first show. I couldn't just come on here and talk about speed figures and trips and Eclipse Awards without acknowledging the truly important story 
of the weekend. We'll be back to regular programming. Vanessa, JK, and I got a show at four. We're going to do, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but we'll, we'll do all the nuts and bolts and the things we need to. But it wouldn't have meant anything to me if we couldn't pay proper tribute to Cody and the Dorman family first. And, and I thanks to you, I believe we've been able to do that today. Well, thank you, Peter. And we're doing the uh, same routine with our good friend Howard Kravitz, who I know you and he exchanged a podcast with last week. Uh, I, I co-host with Howard, and same exact thing. We were going to do a Breeders' Cup recap tonight. This is Tuesday, uh, and that'll be on Thursday tonight. We're going to be on the uh, uh, Cody Dorman Reflections on the HHH Racing Podcast tonight. So we're thinking just like you're thinking, Pete, which should alarm you. <laughs> you guys do a wonderful job howard's horse racing uh show over there you can watch it on youtube um just look for uh, hhh racing podcast and you'll get a lot of great information you guys do a fantastic job and you've had matt miller as a guest way more than me that's always a good get so uh, I, I, <laughs> I just I, I just spent four days uh, wednesday thursday friday five days with matt miller pete it's uh it's it's, it's quite the experience Pete, I really, I just want to say, Pete, I, I greatly appreciate this opportunity because it is, you know, they really have become like family to me. And, you know, when I got that phone call from Kelly Sunday as my plane was literally taxiing about to take off, it, you know, it, it was just, you know, horrifying, obviously. But it, it is, it, I, I do, I do, I, I'm truly honored and humbled by the opportunity to tell this story. And I, it just caught me. Uh, after the forego a, a year, 15 months ago, that obviously was compelling, but I've come across a lot of compelling stories in 38 years of writing. And this one just kind of resonated a little different, maybe because of my daughter, I don't know, but for them to be willing to take this leap of faith with with me uh, is, is pretty heady stuff. And uh, I, I am really determined to do them proud. I know that you will. And also, please let them know if, you know, obviously we're going to keep up the messaging about the Make-A-Wish donations. We've got, we'll get that pretty link all set up. But if there's anything else they, they ever want to communicate, obviously, I'm, you know, Howard would be a conduit for that. But, you know, open platform to talk about whatever they want or get any messages across or just, well, you know, I like this idea of continuing to raise money. You know, obviously we have our our uh, equine aftercare charities, but this, this is another yep. one, like you said, that I've been in business with for, uh, for a long time, make a wish. And, and I'm happy to help in any way I can. And if you can just relay our podcast family's condolences and, and that offer to them, I'd appreciate that greatly. I certainly will, Pete. I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll listen to this when, when they have, uh, have a quiet moment, which might not be for a bit, but uh, oh, yeah. yeah, they, they would greatly appreciate that. And again, I, I really appreciate you having me. All right, Paul, thank you. That's going to conclude this emergency podcast. We're going to close a little bit differently today. All I'm going to say is, may you keep track of what's important. <laughs>